Hello, hello, and welcome back to Organic Gardening for Beginners, the show that helps you get started with your own organic garden where you can grow your own fresh veggies, beautiful flowers, delicious herbs, whatever you decide to grow, however you want to grow it. The point is to just get started. Today, we are talking about what you should be doing in your garden this August. Now, I always put a disclaimer of, I know that people are located all over the world, your climate's different, your exact gardening zone is different, but for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, we can pick and choose some things from this list that will apply no matter where we're living, um, because there are some general trends of what to do in the month. So hopefully there are a few things that you can implement this month to keep your garden top notch for the rest of the season. So let's jump in. Alrighty. So if you listened last month, I also talked about what to do in your garden in July and August has a lot of similarities. And then this is also the month that starts to mark the shift from the summer garden to the fall garden, which I know it might blow your mind to be thinking about the fall garden in August, but this is kind of prime time. And we're actually going to spend a lot of time talking about it during this month. So I'll just gloss over it for right now. But um, for your day-to-day chores right now in August, One of the big tasks is to continue deadheading your flowers and keeping unruly plants kind of pruned back and tidied up. And I don't say that for the aesthetics so much as in order to keep your plants as healthy as possible. Uh, Deadheading is getting rid of flowers that have already bloomed and are starting to fade. If you cut those off, it will encourage more flower production for the rest of the season. And as far as cutting back unruly plants, your garden can look like a jungle. That's totally awesome. But one of the good things about cutting back, cutting back plants and keeping them, um, not compact, but we'll, we'll just say tidy for lack of a better word is that it can help increase airflow, which is very important, especially if you live in a humid climate, airflow is really important to prevent fungal disease from starting and spreading throughout your garden. It can also be a good way to cut back that excess foliage to be able to see your ripening um, produce. I'm thinking of like zucchinis, especially that can hide underneath the big frond like leaves. Uh, It's really easy to go out to the garden, check for your zucchini, think you got it all. And then two days later, there's this giant club of a zucchini because it was hiding underneath some leaves. So there are a couple of reasons to keep your, your plants pruned back a little bit. Also from last month that continues for this month is keeping water out for birds and pollinators because just like we are going out to the swimming pool, we're looking for the sprinklers, all that to stay cool. Your birds and your pollinators definitely need all the help they can get to find some fresh water on these hot days. And the more reason they have to come to your garden, then the better chances you have to get good pollination rates to be able to depend on the beneficial insects coming in to keep your pests under control and also the birds to come in, the insect-eating birds uh, to come in and eat cabbage moth, caterpillars, army worms, whatever it is that might be attacking your garden. If the birds are in there for a drink of water, hopefully they'll stop by and pick your plants clean as well. As far as planting goes, you might be able to grow the very last of the summer crops. This one does depend a lot on your zone. I would say that anything lower than zone six, it's probably too late. Zone six, seven, eight, certainly nine, um, you could get in one last round of planting, such as basil, zinnias, single stem sunflowers, because those ones mature much quicker than big branching sunflowers, zucchini and other summer squash, nasturtium. Depending on your zone, you might be able to get away with 
uh, winter squash or pumpkins, depending on if you're in those higher zones that doesn't really get a frost, you might be able to try your luck with that, depending on how much space you've got and how desperate you are to grow your own pumpkins this Halloween. This month is also a great time to give your plants a little boost. Uh, that can be done through a top dressing of compost or worm castings or fertilizer. And a top dressing is where instead of mixing the compost or the worm castings, which if that's a new word for you, worm castings is just worm poop. I don't know why. It's kind of like how bat guano isn't called bat poop. Worm poop is called castings. Who knows why? Um, and so you, instead of mixing the worm castings or the compost into the soil the way you might do for a totally empty garden bed, you just put it on top in a one or so one to two inch layer uh, and you just leave it there. And then as you irrigate, as you water, the nutrients from the compost will just trickle down into the soil. That way you're not mixing it into the dirt and potentially disturbing plant roots uh, while you're doing that. So that's what a top dressing is. If you don't have good compost or finished compost uh, or warm castings available, then you can either sprinkle um, a granular all-purpose fertilizer. I like to use Dr. Earth's all-purpose fertilizer from time to time, and it has things like kelp meal and cottonseed meal and a few, several others. It's a big mix um, that has a nice even nutrient ratio for the plants. You can sprinkle that right on the soil surface. Or you can work that one in just a smidgen so that it has a layer of dirt covering it. My dogs like to go in and try to lick it if I don't bury it into the dirt just a little bit. Another important task that you can be doing um, are starting to save seeds from some of your favorite plants. Really easy ones if you've never saved seeds before include ones like cosmos, sunflowers, nasturtiums, a couple herbs like basil and cilantro. Those ones are all maturing by now. You most likely have some cosmos that have bloomed and the seed heads have formed. Uh, nasturtiums, certainly. Those ones produce more seeds than you could ever hope to use. Cilantro is a cool season crop. So if you are getting good hot weather, then chances are it has gone to flower and starting to produce seed. This one, I try to leave in the garden, cilantro in particular, I try to leave in the garden as long as possible. Um, as a flower because the pollinators love it so much, especially the ladybugs. Basil has the the sets of leaves that you know you pick off for making pesto or eating fresh or whatever. And then it will start to produce little flower buds at the top that will eventually turn into a nice long stalk of flower blossoms. If on the other hand, you want to try to keep your basil production and other herbs for that matter going as long as possible, it's actually a good idea to deadhead off those flower buds. Once you start to see your your um, your plants, such as your basil, start to produce those flowers, if you snip them off, either by with a pair of scissors or by pinching them off, then that's going to increase the amount of time that the basil focuses on producing fresh leaves as opposed to directing its energy into making seeds. Just like deadheading the flowers, it's the same idea of preventing the basil plant. I keep saying basil, but really this applies to any herb, um, whether that's mint or cilantro, even chives, I tend to let go um, because they'll just keep growing after that. They, For me, they last all year. But in any case, if you prevent the plant from making seeds, then it will continue its production for a while longer. And so if you if your goal is to harvest for as long a time as 
as possible, then keep your basil pinched back so that it can't uh, can't produce seeds. If you want those flowers for the pollinators to cut as a cut flower, um, and you can use basil in bouquets, it's really pretty. Um, cilantro flowers don't last very long. Mint flowers, on the other hand, do last a long time in the vase. Then go ahead and let them flower. And the same for if you want um, to collect those seeds, then whenever you're ready for that, let your herbs and your flowers, for that matter, go to seed so you can start collecting. So some people like to start decreasing the amount of water they're giving their tomatoes in August. And this similar kind of actually to the uh, the seed collecting is so that you're giving the tomato plant the message, hey, the season is, is winding down. I'm putting a little bit of stress on you plant. Uh, so start ripening so that you can get your seeds matured and procreate basically. So if you are continuing giving your tomato plants the same amount of water you've given them all season up to this point, then they'll continue producing, no problem. But if you want a bumper crop of tomatoes, say for canning, or you just want more sun golds because they're that awesome, then you can cut back the amount of water you're giving them just a little bit to encourage ripening. Again, if you are in an area that's getting a lot of heat this summer, you could consider putting up a shade cloth or something to provide shade so that your plants are a little bit less stressed on these super hot days. And by something, I mean, you could even put up a bed sheet, which is what I've done in the past, just something that's going to block the sun a little bit to reduce that temperature in the shaded area. And for plants like peppers, this can be really helpful to prevent sun scald. Same thing for eggplants, actually. Typically, the leaf cover of the plants will protect the fruit from getting sun scald, but sometimes if it's hot enough or if there just isn't enough foliage on the plant, then you'll notice a white, almost papery spot on the plant that just got too much sun. It is basically like it's sunburned. Uh, and so putting up a little bit of shade cloth during a heat wave or you know a few days of extra hot, extra strong sun it can help give your plants just that little bit of protection that they need to make it through without too much damage. It can also help with preventing the blossoms dropping from your tomatoes. So if nighttime temperatures are consistently over 75 degrees, then the tomatoes will tend to start dropping their blossoms, which obviously means they can't be pollinated. And during the day, if it's consistently over 100 degrees, then oftentimes pollination won't occur because the pollen isn't as accessible to the bees. And so again, you won't get very much fruit. So if you can throw up a little shade cloth, they have it available on pretty much any gardening website um, or even Amazon that you can drape over your plants. You can string it between, you know, say a, a steak or your tomato trellis. I've used an old like clothesline to suspend it over my gardens when we lived in Southern California. Any sort of light blocking device will work. The shade can also help prevent wilting in some of your leafier plants, such as zucchini, summer squash, your cucumbers, any kale or um, Swiss chard that you have growing throughout the summer. Basically, it can help with anything during that really intense afternoon sun through this time of summer. Not necessary, certainly, but it's a nice to have if you've got it available and the time to put it up. Speaking of summer squash... Powdery mildew is a disease that is very, very common around this time of summer and moving into the end of the season where plants such as zucchini, this is common with zinnias too, um, will get a, it's actually pretty close to what the name is, a, a powdery 
substance on the leaves and it's called powdery mildew and it spreads like wildfire because it spreads through uh, the spores making contact from a diseased leaf to a healthy leaf. So if you are out harvesting your zucchini and you brush one of the leaves as you're as you're cutting the fruit, then it's very easy for the spores to jump from that leaf to the next one. And so it it just moves through your whole garden bed. So one of the things you can do is to cut off any of the leaves that are starting to show signs of powdery mildew. And it will not kill your plants at all um, because there are always new leaves coming up to continue the photosynthesis and provide some shade on the fruit itself. So it's much more of a preventative thing than a killing thing. So you can take those leaves off, toss them in the garbage, unfortunately, because there's evidence on both sides that if you put diseased plant matter in your compost, that it could it could like make it through the composting process uh, and then you spread it all around in your garden. Um, so I toss it in the garbage, unfortunately, um, as opposed to just, you know, chopping and dropping it in the garden. Zinnias are very vulnerable to powdery mildew as well. Almost all zinnias, just like almost all summer squash, will eventually succumb to it no matter how many leaves you take off and how many preventative measures you put in place, such as that airflow that I mentioned earlier. And it's just it's just a fact of life, of gardening life. Um, but you can try to prevent it for a little bit longer if you take off the diseased leaves as soon as you see them. All right, so moving out of the garden just a little bit, is one of the things that is so easy to not do, and I'm guilty of this myself, is to forget to take any records of your gardening year up to this point. Because the spring was, you know, a blur of seed starting and getting beds ready and transplanting and going to the nurseries and, and just so much to do that it's easy to not have really made any records of what you planted, when you planted, so that you can reference it next year. And that doesn't really stop once summer gets into full swing and you're busy with weeding and watering and harvesting and using all that stuff that you're harvesting. So a little PSA to update your garden records of success and failure so far this year. And that can include anything from the date you planted out your lettuce in the spring, if you can remember, and did it work or did it not? Did a late frost come and wipe it all out or did they survive and produce an awesome spring lettuce harvest? If you are starting to see pests, this is a great time to record it so that you know to be on the lookout for it next year and you can maybe take some preventative measures. So if you're in the South and you are seeing squash vine borers, make a note of that. Um, I didn't try it when we lived in South Carolina, but I've read many times that if you plant a late planting of squash, that that can prevent squash vine borers from becoming a problem because they're an early season pest. So just a little side note there. Um, if you are starting to save seeds, you can take records of that so that you don't forget what you harvested, when you planted it, how long did it take to mature, all those little details that I promise you, you are not going to remember next year, no matter how much you tell yourself you are. I have been there. I have done that. I've got the t-shirt. You're going to forget. If you need something to record your, your log book in your garden happenings. Um, I do have a digital garden planner. I'll leave a link for it in the show notes. It's super easy to download and get started with. It has tracking pages for pests, for disease, for your harvest, for when you're starting to see those flowers bloom. Uh, so you can start your record keeping right away. 
But even just a spiral notebook um, will help to write down a few important dates. And another good thing, other than just disease, is did you plant enough? Uh, If you are fighting with your kids over every ripe sun gold, also been there, done that, then maybe make a note to put in an extra plant next year or an extra two plants. If you are swimming in cucumbers and you just can't keep up with them, maybe you decrease the amount of cucumbers you plant next year and give that space to that sun gold or a different plant altogether. So just lots of little, you know, the things that you notice as the season's going on, what's going well, what isn't, what you wish you would have done differently, what you want to remember to do next year, write it down so that it doesn't disappear into the, the vault of your mind never to be seen again. So as promised, I want to jump back briefly to that idea of a fall garden. This year, as I've shared with you guys many times, I I put in a late garden in June and it's growing well. You know, I'll get my summer harvest and everything, but my big planting is going to be for my fall garden because the timing just works out so well. And fall gardens are ones where either you are planting a late planting of something and hoping to get a harvest before your first frost or you are planting crops that you want to get to a certain maturity uh, before frost, and then they're going to overwinter in the garden. So something like the Halloween pumpkins that I mentioned earlier, that is a fall crop where you're planting it late in the summer, hoping to harvest it in the fall, or you know the last minute single stem sunflower that you're putting in. Whereas if you are putting in beets or kale or broccoli plants, Um, for a fall garden, chances are those are going to grow to a certain size before your first frost. And then you'll start harvesting it either throughout the winter, like a kale, or first thing in the spring or late winter, such as a broccoli. It's just kind of holding itself over in the garden. And carrots are another really good one for this. So next week, we are going to be talking much more about fall gardening, actually the next few weeks, so that if you haven't planted one yet, or you've kind of been dragging your feet on getting one going, like myself, then this will be a good kick in the butt to make your to-do list, get your seeds ready to go to start everything indoors or direct sow it out in your garden so that you can continue your harvesting season for much longer than the typical end of summer when your tomatoes, your zucchini, your cucumbers, all that are finished for the year. So as I wind up this episode, let me put out a little reminder in your ear that if you are loving the show, I would love to read a review. It would be super helpful to know if I'm on the right track with helping you out. If there are ways that I can improve to help you more, a review is a great way to do that. So log into Apple Podcasts, scroll down to the bottom and then click that button that says leave a review and I would love to see it. Talk to you next week. 